it was such a struggle. Like we went to, we started going to like backwoods places in uh, Pennsylvania. I was everywhere. So I ended up four different states as well. Like, like, I, yeah, I was very, very serious that I was not going to be medicated. And that's what people kept coming up with. I went everywhere, did everything. But um, yeah, it was food. It was and prayer and got me through it all. But the, the change that actually happened for me naturally was, was it was food. Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show. I'm your host, Jess. I'm a wife and a mama, and I'm juggling work and misbehaved dogs, but they're really cute. <laughs> I'm a sports dietitian and empowered eating coach. I am absolutely obsessed with nutrition science and helping you crank up the volume on your body's biofeedback. Let's pivot your relationship with your food and your body from doubt and distrust to a confident bond that can weather the seasons of life as we discover the healthiest version of you with empowered eating. Hey there, Fuel Her Awesome friends. I have a special interview for you guys today. Ms. Stephanie Shaw is a health and wellness speaker, nutrition strategist, course creator, and host of the Hello Hot Flash podcast. I'm so excited because today we are talking about her journey through a two-year health struggle, menopause, balancing her gut health, and how to be a healthcare self-advocate. She has so much in her story that we're going to try to cram it into this 25-minute interview. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, from a background perspective, I spent 20 years in corporate America, 10 years running an education nonprofit. Um, and I'm kind of this, this uh, fake extrovert is what I call myself. <laughs> I love to sit in the house in a room and read a good book or watch a movie from the 40s or 50s. Um, but if you see me out somewhere, I'm super engaging, love to be involved in my community wife, mom of three kids. I'm a, a, I don't want to be like a cool grandma name. I want to be granny, like the old school, you know, <laughs> old school granny. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I am a huge uh, community volunteer and I've always been super engaged um, on, on boards and super engaged with my family, my church and so forth. And I think that's kind of, that. that's a lead up to my story because in one day, all of that had to stop. Oh, well, I'm excited to hear your story. So I love that. I got to pause just for a second. A fake yes. extrovert. <laughs> I love that. I love so do, when you're out with people doing all of these things, because you're clearly involved in your community, invested in, you got a family. I mean, how do you take care of yourself? How do you manage like all of those things? And then the fact that you're an introvert. Yeah. So, um, I, it, it's hard sometimes, but what I will do is I will come home and I need to not talk. I need to just be by myself. So for example, yesterday, um, I'm super proud of the fact that there's a small group of us under seven that have raised over a million dollars just in my tiny community, like under 20,000 people wow. um, for scholarships and it's living on in perpetuity. So we're giving away 50 scholarships every year. I'm in charge of the event. So I have to be up at seven o'clock in the morning, talk to 250 people, smile, laugh with kids, laugh with donors. And yesterday I came home, I'm like, okay, I need to not see, talk, hear from anyone, <laughs> period, for the rest of the day. I went to the fabric store, kind of mulled around. And so 
that that to me that self care like kind of um I can be out there. I love to be out there, but recognizing that I can't be on 100% of the time and then coming home and doing things that actually fuel me. And while other people get fueled by that type of environment, I get fueled by being alone. I really mm-hmm. do or like having some downtown with um, downtime with one of my kids or my husband, but that one-on-one fuels me versus the 200 plus people that I, yeah. I chucked it up with today morning. <laughs> you have a lot of people I that you're serving. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You are doing some big, big things, but you got to recharge your batteries. And I love that. It sounds like you've got a really strong sense of awareness, but I know, and this is what I'm excited to get into. It's been a journey for you to get to this place of figuring out how to take care of yourself. And so, um, yeah, let's start with, tell us about your journey with menopause. Yeah. So I I was not always self-aware. I assumed I always had to be on, um, my job was in public affairs. So I, that was me all the time, but March 23rd, 2017, I was actually on a business trip. We were in new Orleans. I was with a, a coworker and I physically stepped my foot on a bourbon street. I think even that step was part of, um, me realizing that needed to somehow be part of my story so I could remember what was going on, Mm. but I physically stepped my feet feet onto Bourbon Street and it felt like I was having a stroke. So my jaw went numb, my hands and feet were twingling, uh, tingling, my eyes were twitching and I like, I couldn't breathe. It was like this crazy rapid heartbeat. So we did all the things, stopped at a store and got some Gatorade, drank some water, you know, maybe I just eaten, but ate a little bit more. That night I ended up in two emergency rooms. Um, And over the course of two years, I ended up seeing 18 different physicians, um, both Western and Eastern medicine, from cardiologists to physical therapists to acupuncturists, chiropractors, um, general practitioners, OBGYNs. Like I went down the gamut because my symptoms would be different all the time. One week my eye would twitch and then it wouldn't. I would have rapid heartbeat the next week. And then the tingling or my hair started falling out. I had so many different symptoms that the doctors couldn't even keep up. So um, I'm fortunate that one of my friends is an executive at one of the leading uh, healthcare facilities in the world. Um, So I went to, I went there, I went to another major healthcare facility, spent over $20,000. And no matter what, I could not, they couldn't figure out what was going on. But one thing no one ever asked me about was nutrition. And no one ever asked me if perhaps I was menopausal. So like those things never, (laughs) ever came up. And it took me two years of like, during the the time of me trying to figure out what what was going on, I started, I went back and got two certifications. Part of it was because I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not going to let this get me down. This has to be part of my journey. I've always wanted to do something in food. Maybe this is going to help me. And now I'm. I'm sitting down and I have time to study basically. So I went back, got two certifications during, during the time. And I, then I started to piece things together. I'm like, Oh, maybe it is what I mean. I'm eating pretty good, but maybe there is something that I'm eating. That's incorrect. Maybe it is perimenopause. I didn't know what was going on, but I think the, and and we're going to, I think we're going to talk a little bit about what that advocacy looked like. I think the part of no one bringing those subjects up to me and me having to bring those subjects up to other people is what finally helped me start to heal my body. 
Wow. So you said 18 doctors? 18 doctors. 18 Two world renowned facilities. Yeah. Wow. If I said the facility's name, you would be like, they didn't solve your problem. No. Wow. And I had some of the world's best doctors because she was like, you know, she helped me out, got me in. Um, and no one ever mentioned menopause or nutrition. It's so frustrating that that did not come up. And so part of the time I'll blame myself because I walked in with a little, you know, chip on my shoulder, like, I'm a vegetarian. So, <laughs> so they, they assumed that because I was yeah, a vegetarian, what I was doing. But just because you eliminate meat or dairy or sugar, just because you're eliminating things don't doesn't mean that one, something quote unquote good could not be good for your body and or that you really know what you're doing. I was just eliminating meat from my diet. Um, and I, I kind of had it, but I didn't really understand exactly what I needed to do. So I wasn't balancing carbohydrates, proteins, and fats um, in, in the correct manner. So yeah, no one asked me about food. That is so, so crazy. crazy. It's so crazy. Well, I mean, if you go back and you think about physicians' trainings, unless they specialize in nutrition, because I work with some great physicians that specialize in nutrition and they're fabulous. But unless they go down that road, it's a very, very, very small part of their training. Like I always joke, like that's why we have jobs. That's why there are nutrition <laughs> professionals out there, you know, to oh. fill in that gap. But man, mm. that's pretty crazy. So, so you started to piece these pieces of the puzzle into your story when you and putting them together when you realized like nobody's asked me and you started taking these certification classes. Is that right? Exactly. I started reading books and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going down this list. And it's like, check, 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 check. Wow. And because my symptoms weren't consistent, um, I started um, thinking, you know, maybe something's going on in my head. So it started anxiety as well. So some of the hospital visits were like, I would be, I would eat something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know I'm going to have like heart palpitations. And because I'm saying it to myself, what happens? You start having them. So I was going back and forth to the ER quite a bit. But yeah, I started reading book after book after book and doc great documentaries um, on nutrition and the power that food can have on your mm -hmm. body. And um, the 19th person was a, a chiropractor who was actually a naturopath as well. And he did a one simple urine analysis after I'd done millions of blood tests and MRIs and CAT scans and EKGs. Um, he did one simple urine test and was like, hey, you shouldn't eat cabbage, peaches, pineapple. Uh, I'm like, what? Certain type of beans. I'm like, huh? All the quote unquote good stuff that I was eating a lot of trying to make myself feel better. The things I was gravitating toward were actually impacting my gut health. Um, and making all of this even worse. And the reason the symptoms were different every day is because for me, it really was food related. So um, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, that's kind of pineapples for me. Um, twitching in the eye, that's some sweets, even like dates and uh, other things like that. So it was different every day, hard for them to uncover because it was food related. And I had to start to you know, keep a food journal and understand my body better in order for me to, to start to recover. So so he did this test. Do you remember what kind of test it was? The Zyto test. Okay, so when he did this test. Okay, mm -hmm. so he did this test and then he gave you this list and then you started a food log and were you able to connect like certain, I call it biofeedback, like certain pieces of biofeedback to specific foods? Oh my goodness. It was like, oh, duh. You know, and even, and the, what was even um, better 
is I was able to connect it to childhood things. So every Sunday we would have cabbage and roast beef and white rice, like almost every single Sunday if we didn't go out to eat. And even as a child, on Sunday evening, I would get like a little tummy ache, every, tummy ache, because I was a child. <laughs> stomach would bother me. Get a tummy. I've been around my grandson quite a bit lately. Uh, <laughs> I, I have two boys, so I still call it the tummy, even when they're little. So yes, you're in good company. <laughs> All right, thank you. Tummy ache. Um, and so going back now, when I saw that on that list, I'm like, oh. That's why I spent half my childhood sick because my gut did not like cabbage. Wow. It did not like Brussels sprouts and those types of foods. So yes, he gave me that list. And then I was able to start to track the food. I, I did something that I do not recommend people doing. He gave me a list and I'm like cold turkey because I've been mm. sick for almost two years. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going hard. So I went super, super hard. I don't recommend other people doing that. I recommend that you, if you do something and you understand how your body's changing, start to slowly pull back and make sure that you're doing it in a healthy way. Um, that's the best, best route to go. But yeah, I, I kind of went hard because I'm like, I've been sick for two years. I got to, I got to feel done. better. <laughs> I was done. So, but yes, the tracking was super, super helpful. And then I could, again, figure out, oh, rapid heartbeat, oh, twitching eye, oh, cold hands and feet, all of that. Even the, the hair growth, um, as I started to eat better and watch my protein intake and make sure that I was eating the right type of carbohydrates, I started to see that my hair started to come back as well. Wow. Wow. So it's like a balancing of hormones. What I think is so fascinating is like, you know, you had said earlier, like the good and bad foods. I thought I was doing good. Like, this is why I cannot stand like saying good or bad foods because there's no such thing, right? It's like all how our individual body responds to these foods. And that was like where, you know, you had kind of, it sounds like been under this illusion that like you were doing quote good, right? You were doing all the things you were yes. supposed to be doing, but hadn't factored in the biofeedback part. So when you, I'm curious, when yes. you got that list of foods, and I know you said you went cold turkey, but did you notice, did you re react to all of the ones he pulled? Or did you still have to do some digging and figure out exactly which ones you reacted to? So um, I honestly, because I went cold turkey, I don't know if maybe some of them could have still been okay in my body. I'm like they're on the list, never eating them again. Now that that was me then because I was in that um, mental state. But what I figured out was part of it was I had a super unhealthy gut. So mm. once you get your gut healthy and once you start to eat the way you're supposed to, you can add those things back. So in all honesty, I will eat peaches now, but I don't eat, you know, a, a peach a day for three weeks straight. When I want to eat a peach, I'll eat a peach and it doesn't mm -hmm. impact me. Um, if I want to eat some pineapples, it's, if I eat a pineapple every day for a week, I'll be honest with you, because sometimes I get the cravings. I'll have hot flashes. But common sense would tell but, you. But it's worth it. Like there are some things that are worth it. Yeah, some things are worth it. So uh, to me, pineapples are worth it. But I understand that if I eat pineapples for one, two days, it doesn't impact me like it was back in 2017 mm -hmm. because now my gut is healthy. So I think that was, I think it's part of the whole understanding of how gut health impacts your, the way you think, it impacts your brain, it impacts your mm -hmm. body. It impacts so much in your system. And as you said, no good or bad foods, because even if I had an identical twin, our guts are so different mm -hmm. that what may be working for him or her may not be working for me. So yeah, I um I cold turkey the, the stuff, but <laughs> I have 
we added things back in. Um, not cabbage for some reason. I still, I still know cabbage and I are not friends. But the other fruits, the other fruits that I love, I've slowly added them back in, and I just don't do things in excess. I try to eat as balanced as possible. I love that, and I love that you said the gut can heal because that is that's one of. I'm a big fan of these food sensitivity tests or these evaluations that we get that give us direction on how to, you know, take out foods that might be agitating our microbiome and our gut health. But one of the things that really stresses me out about them is people do get this mentality of like, I can never have these foods again. And it's not an allergy, right? Like it's, it's your gut is like, if it's inflamed, it's like an, an see, owie. I'm going to call it an owie. You can tell I've been hanging out with my kids. <laughs> it's like a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and when it's like agitated and inflamed and you keep giving it those foods, like it continues to be inflamed. But if you remove the inflammatory um, instigator and it heals, now it can handle that again. Right. And so I yeah. love, I love that you said that. So I'm just curious, uh, you know, you, you went to all these doctors, you spent a lot of money, a lot of time, you know, what was your takeaway in terms of like healthcare self-advocacy through this process? So I think that one of the most important things that anyone can do is understand that they need to listen to their body. So if I had stopped at my primary care physician, I would have been on some type of medicine now. If I had stopped at the neck and spine doctor, because it was impacting me physically, uh, internally and externally, I may have ended up with surgery. If I had stopped at, I'm trying to think who else. Um, maybe even a cardiologist, I might have ended up taking some medicine or so forth, but I knew, and like, it was just something inside of me that knew that this was part of a bigger plan for my life. So I took it from that perspective and recognizing that it's part of a bigger plan for my life. I can't be on a drug. I'm not saying that, you know, some people end up taking medicine. I'm not saying anything against that. Sometimes you do need it for a period of time, but I didn't believe that that was my story. So part of me being able to advocate for myself was going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And I didn't allow them to read the medical report. And I didn't Mm -hmm. allow them to walk away from me without answering my questions and or comparing medical reports. So I would always get my my report. I had a couple of doctors roll their eyes. They're like, a couple that I went to a couple of times. They're like, I know you're going to. I'm like, yes, I want my medical report. Um, I would always look at it. I'd always make sure that everything, because I was taking a lot of supplements at the time. Um, I'd make sure that they noted every supplement just in case I needed a medicine. So nothing didn't interact with one another. And then I would have a list of questions at every single doctor. I think one that helped me heal faster or heal get to the right doctor. And I think two, it allowed the physician to take me seriously. So this is no disrespect to any physician because I have friends that are, my OBGYN and I are friends. My eye doctor and I, we're friends. So I have friends in that field. So there's no disrespect to them. It's just a matter of, it's a numbers game and not because they want it to be, but because it's kind of a requirement. You got to get people in, you got to get people out. Once you come and sit down with that information and they see that you care um, they start to care. That's what I found. So I've had half hour, 45 minute conversations that normally would have been a five minute appointment because I had the questions. I asked the questions. I wasn't just web MDing things. I was being sincere. And I, um, I kind of could see that trajectory of, of, of what was going on in my body that intrigued them. 
And they kind of wanted to help me at that point. So I always say you can advocate for yourself by um, tracking your medical records and asking really good questions. And if you get a doctor who will not sit down and answer your questions, you're the customer. Leave <laughs> and find someone else that will actually help you. Because I get that a couple of times. You're like, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm sick. So know your body. Know your body is key. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I don't think I didn't hear any disrespect to physicians and what you said. I mean, the reality is one, they have an impossible job, right? They have 15 minutes to like assess us and get us up, get us what we need and, and on to the next, there's a major shortage of physicians. So I think they're kind of set, the system is set up for them to really, they struggle and it's an impossible job. But then number two, like they are not the savior. They're a part of the team. And what I love about your process is like, you came in going, I, I'm a part of this team too, right? Like this is about me and my body. So here are my questions. Here's what I've learned. How can I like mesh that with your expertise to help me? I, that's incredible. I imagine that took a lot of time. It took a ton of time, but I was also in the position where I was still running a nonprofit and thank goodness I was <laughs> the boss at that time because by two 30 or three, I was done. Like I would just, I tried to get there at seven so I could kind of get the day done, but by two 33, I'm out. And I was pretty much on a chair or couch for almost two years. So I went to work and went to church. So I had that time and I understand, but um, I would say, figure out a way to make the time. What I also learned is as you said, they really do care. So I think I have to always give props to my chiropractor and to my physical therapist. They set up an appointment with just the two of them to talk about me. And like, it almost makes me want to cry because like, who does that? But they saw that they saw that my pain and my suffering, they saw that I was serious about it. They saw that every time they told me to do something, I actually acted on it. So I, w I was taking the process seriously because I, I encourage people to do that as well. They actually got together and they worked together to figure out a plan for me. So um, props, to, props to those two doctors that, that were involved in helping with my recovery. Yeah, that's incredible. So once you got this food test and started listening to your body's biofeedback, what was the biggest turnaround point for you? When did you really start to see you were feeling better and you were on a new path? Yeah, it's so weird. I've been asked that question before and I don't know. I like I don't know the date or, you know, like I had that March 23rd, 2017 date. I don't know. I think it was just slowly. It was things like so for almost a year, I couldn't go to a big box store. So and I couldn't go to, I could go to church, but I had to wear dark glasses in church because it. we turned on the lights. It's, you know, we have like the lights and the smoke and all that kind of stuff on stage. Mm -hmm. So when it took about a year when I could like walk into that atmosphere and not have on dark glasses or not go to a big box store without, um, I can't even explain the the feeling of anxiety and so forth that came over my body. Like I would, I couldn't go grocery shopping by myself. So I think when I started to be able to like go to the grocery store by myself, when I, I couldn't drive for two months, when I was able to start driving myself to appointments, that's when I start to say, oh, wait, something is changing. But I, I spent 50 plus years, quote unquote, eating incorrectly or not eating for my body and, and doing this to my body. So it took almost... It was probably sometime in 18, early 19. So it was like a year to figure it out and then six to eight months to kind of get to feeling better. And then there was a period of time where um, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I, 
I can go to TJ Maxx. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> like the biggest thing in our go to TJ Maxx and not <laughs> Oh, that's a big deal. That is a huge it, it, deal. It, it is. It's uh, also because so I, I joke about that, but like my 70 plus year old mom was taking me to the grocery store, like holding my arm when we walked through the store. She was picking up my groceries, putting it in the cart. My husband was, I'd been um, driving a couple of times. That's when I decided to stop. And I had like an anxiety attack on the road. So like I'm in the middle of a highway. I just stopped the car, like not pulled it aside. I just stopped the car and my husband had to come get me. So wow. that, it, it was so much going on in the fact that I can clearly say that I took maybe two to three Tylenol during the whole time. Um, and I was able to use nutrition to heal my body. I know that other people can do the same thing. You just have to be willing to listen to your body and make some changes and that food can heal your body. Wow. I mean, what a I know, powerful... I a lot in there, but it, you know, the story gets so deep and I get so emotional sometimes, but at the end of the day, it was food. Um, that that really made the change. Yeah, I mean, that, how incredible to go from like passing out heart palpitations, not being able to like do the things you love, like go to church and just be and or go to TJ Maxx, you know, all the way to like, I, it almost sounds like you probably thought I would think like life was kind of coming to an end, like is my way oh, of I life did. as I know it? Yeah. And then to find those freedoms again, with food, it is, it's, it really does say like the power of food. So, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, Stephanie, how you've taken this experience and you're now serving people and the community. Yeah. So my, I, I love for education. So that even the nonprofit I ran was an education nonprofit. So what I'm doing now is really focused on how to educate other women. So a lot of times we don't understand perimenopause versus menopause versus postmenopause and don't even know that that's where we're at in our lives. So my goal is to let people understand, you know, about the drops in estrogen, progesterone, the changes in your testosterone, educate you on what's going on. And then hopefully that signals you to like, oh, wait, I'm having a hot flash. I'm having... I'm night sweats. I'm having brain fog. There's something I can do about it. I want people to become more and more aware of what changes are taking place in their body and what I consider simple things that you can do to make changes. So to to um, to encourage that, I have a um, a podcast as you mentioned before. Hello, Hot Flash, and thank you so much for being such an excellent guest. So that that I use that to um, inform people. So I try to make sure that there's practitioners that are part of the podcast. And then I created a course also called Mastering Menopause. And it's just not about food and nutrition, but how, what's your mindset during this time of life? Do you understand exactly what's going on in your body? And then here's some practical tips in order to support you. Well, I love it because you're bringing hope, educating and giving hope. Like, hey, this is not the end of the road. Um, there's actually things you can do and things that are within your reach. Like food is literally within our reach. And there's a lot of power behind that. Yeah, yeah, I do. It, it, it's fun. It's re very, very rewarding. And I, I I, love the fact that the pain turned into purpose. And yeah. Yes yeah. and amen. I mean, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I always yes, believe yeah. there's a reason for our story. There's a reason for it. Well, Stephanie, I yes. am so grateful for you sharing all of your knowledge here. But I know that's just scratching the surface. You do have the podcast, Hello Hot Clash, which I will link in the show notes. Um, how else can people find you and learn more about what you can offer? Yeah, they can go to the website and the website is also hellohotflash.com. 
Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you. I like to wrap up my interviews with this because this is the Fuel Her Awesome show and I'm a huge advocate for empowered eating, which is what you shared with us today. I would like to know what is the number one way you like to fuel your awesome? I, I like to focus on my why. So when I, I have a why, why I eat the way that I do, the why, the way, the reason I have a business and so forth. Part of that why is around how I'm going to impact generations. So my grandchildren, great grandchildren. And when I focus on that why, that gets me up out of the bed in the morning, that most of the time helps me push away that sugar. <laughs> uh, so it, it actually helps me be the woman that I, I want to be so I can set a good example for, for my family. I love that. The why behind the how. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at jessbrownrd.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.